Good morning. Juliet's going to welcome us this morning. Welcome. It's the second time in a row I forgot to turn on my mic. I told her, I was like, I'm not going to forget to turn on my mic this morning. Well, welcome to Family Sunday. Um, so everyone is in here with us uh, besides the, the wee little ones. And so I just want to kind of set the stage for today. We're going to start out with some worship. And all throughout our worship, you are welcome to come um, for offering time. And just can, we want that just to be continuous praise time. We're not going to have like a specific pause like we usually do. So the buckets are up here. The green box is in the back. The app is available just whenever you need it. And um, we will probably still take a short break after worship before we do message. And then we'll round up at the end with our closing worship song and the kids. Um, but I just want just to welcome you. Will you pray with me? Jesus, this morning we are so thankful, God. We are thankful for, um, for you, God, for your promise to always be with us. We are thankful thankful for your protection. We are thankful for just the presence of your Holy Spirit in us, God. We are thank you for how, thankful for how you rescued us, God, for how you pull us out of the pit, God. We are just, um, we are so thankful. Words cannot express how much we love you and how we are thankful. Thank you so much, God, most of all for the gift of Jesus, for what you did, Jesus, by coming here, by uh, making a way for us to have a relationship with God the Father. Um, so we thank you. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for salvation. Amen. Amen. Let's worship this morning together. to hide this weary soul, these bad bones, and I try with all of my might, I just can't win the fight, I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond, and just when Burning and bitterness, you can just. 
just another one and I am free. Yeah, I am free. I am free. We say, I lost another one.
I believe we're going to see breakthrough in our lives, in the lives of our friends and families. So sing this with me. Come on. place to see it happen that you're with a bunch of believers who are willing to believe with you for that and the and the word says that if two agree as touching anything that they'll have what they ask for and so you're in a good place right now and you're going to hear some word this morning that will prepare your hearts to receive that all right so i just want to encourage you in that let me just pray for us right now father thank you that your word is true And we sing this song in faith this morning that a breakthrough is coming. Not just for us personally, but even for our nation and for this this part of the country here in central Oklahoma. That a breakthrough is coming for our communities, for the places that we work. Breakthrough is coming. And Father, I pray that you'll use us to, to see that to its end. In Jesus' name. Be seated. Go ahead and be seated. Yeah, grab a microphone. It's right there. Go ahead. Say what you want. I just wanted to uh, there you go. remind you. 
of the um, the vision that Serena had last Pastor Serena had last Sunday as we were worshiping, and she and it had to and you you can go back and listen to last Sunday's because it's amazing. Um, but the the vision that she had of the flagpole being the presence of God that we were hanging on to and people were hanging on to us and we created this big flag. I mean, you need to go, you need to go back and listen to it because it's pretty amazing. But the, um, the song we just sang, your presence is an open door. Unless we're pressing in to the presence of God, that's the only way we see breakthrough and in the things that we want. So we have got to press into his presence make sure we're spending time in his word and spending time with him just him on just soaking him up um we but that's already starting to happen she talked about how people were going to be hanging on to us and all and we someone in our in our church has had that experience already this week with just doing what she does normally in her job, how she just ministers to people in her job. And somebody said, well, I'm just going to hang on to your coattails. They said those exact words. And um, she was just like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. So press in because his presence is where it all happens. Um. If you haven't listened to, if you weren't here for last week, um, I'd encourage you to go and and check out the, our Facebook page, bl.church/chandler. Is that right? bl.church.chandler. Um, our Facebook page, and it is, uh, um, it, it was an amazing time. The worship is awesome. The uh, that's not anything new though. So, but the um, Greg uh, brought a word that shared something from the week before. Uh, okay, can we can we just be us family this morning? All right. If you're with us online, just bear with us. So, um, I. Brent Newcomb, Brent dragged me in the mountains of Colorado, literally sometimes dragging me. Um, I had, uh, it's interesting, it kind of goes with a message um, about conditioning and being, being prepared for certain things. And um, I'm turning this front air conditioner on, but y'all just go ahead. I'm, a, I'm doing ADD right now. Um, I, I didn't tended to be in good shape to go to the mountains and carry a 50-pound backpack on my back and go up and down mountains. I was prepared. I had planned to prepare. I planned to prepare. Is that redundant? Um, I, uh, I got COVID. So I was only one month after COVID when I went to the mountains. That's my excuse anyway, and I'm sticking <laughs> with that story. Um, but and then it was a million degrees here, so you couldn't even go outside and walk around the parking lot or anything like that. So I was grossly unprepared to go climbing mountains with 48 pounds of stuff on my back. Um, Brent actually took my backpack away and threw a bunch of stuff away, so it was a little less. Uh, it was a little bit less after that. But 
so both of us were gone and I listened I listened to yesterday's uh, last week's message when we got back and um, it's amazing how to just see God move in in a thing like that we had listened to uh, Zach Pastor Zach who is a we're multi-campus location for those of you who don't know that um, we're multi-campus church several locations in Texas Oklahoma and Colorado and we so Zach is a pastor of the campus in Durant which was the original campus a young man to be pastor of a fairly good sized church we had listened to, we had seen him on video the week before and he Pam interacted with them and said we really enjoyed your message this past week and so Serena said well something's happened and we're able to be there we could come this Sunday would you want that I said yes we would want that later on today you'll find out why last Sunday was the last Sunday that they're going to be able to be anywhere for a while and so because they're going to have some other opportunity come up and you'll see that later today if you follow uh, things on Facebook because there's a big announcement being made this morning so we we got to see them that I mean it's just neat to see how God works how God gave us that opportunity how the opportunity for Greg to share some of his story about the message from the previous week, um, how it all just fit together. God brought it all in like, like a machine fitted together. And that is the way God works too. And you sometimes you see after, after that. If you've ever seen the movie Signs, that's what the whole movie is about. At the end of it, um, Mel Gibson's character goes, oh, And he goes, one, two, three, four, five. All the ways that God was working in their life to to bring about life. And to bring about life when they had been through such difficult circumstances and loss. And you saw God working. Well, that happened here last week. And uh, um, I hope you're not disappointed this morning. Uh, but I want to encourage you. Today is Life Group Launch Sunday. Do we need anybody need a break? We I didn't even give us the five minute break. But I I am turning this air conditioner on right now. Uh, cool, and let's make it about sixty five degrees. How about that? Amen. Is anybody else warm? I can turn some other air conditioners down too. Uh, all right. Y'all cool back here? Y'all good? Okay. Um, okay, let me, let me say a couple of things before I get in trouble with my wife. One is, see you at the pole is this week. Um, see you at the pole means a lot to our family. Uh, my sister goes to church at Wedgwood Baptist Church in Fort Worth, and that's where they had a shooting at, for see you at the pole, and her whole family was there. Her best friend was killed. And um, that's, and it was a one one of the early see you at the pole celebrations. We still do see you at the pole, and it's interesting um, on social media to see one kid show up at the pole. And we have an awesome group of young people in this community, and they do see you at the pole. And that will be not is that this coming Wednesday? 
Uh, what? Seven, 7.30 in the morning. So, and if you, if you go to some other school or your home school or something, you can still go to see you at the pole. And it's, uh, it's led by kids that love the Lord. And so just t- take advantage of that opportunity. We have an opportunity that night. There's going to be a rally in the evening. And uh, uh, we're, our church is helping serve hot dogs for that event. So if you'd like to, between now and Wednesday, uh, Wednesday you know, afternoon, you could bring some hot dogs and buns. And we will help them make that happen. Um, Project Heart, which is the Meals on Wheels thing, service opportunity that we've participated in for the last couple of years. That's happening um, in October. And so there's sign up the only time that's left. And you can just do one one time. Sign up to, to help deliver these meals. It takes about, Pam's really organized, so it only takes us 45 minutes. Um, but uh, you just a few places in town. And it's just wonderful opportunity to really bless people because some of these people don't see anybody except to get those lunches. And um, it's, a, it's an opportunity to just encourage people. So Tuesdays are the only ones that are left. And you can just sign up for one. And, uh, but that's, uh, that's another opportunity. Did I cover everything? I, you think I did? Okay. Anything that goes on here, um, I used to look in a whole bunch of different places for information. But if you want to know anything that's going on here at Chandler, the flow page is the way to go. We don't hand out bulletins or anything. You may have gone to church where that happened, but this flow page, there's, there's something like this in the bathrooms and that QR code, if you'll um, put your camera on that and hit the, hit the little yellow thing when it comes up and then down, uh, download the flow page, uh, it's an awesome place to get information. Uh, Life group sign-up sheets. I have that in my notes here, in my message notes. But that's okay. You can steal my thunder. Go ahead, Pam. Um, Today is Life Group Sunday, and so all the sign-up stuff is on a table just uh, within eight feet of the front door. If um, you could shop for a group that you want to go to, you could even go to one group and then try another group. So whatever you want to do as far as that's concerned. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. Um, There's a group. Oh. (laughs) We're done. Okay. Thank you. We're just family here, and I'm so glad. Okay. I've written some things down here, and this is the first thing that I need to make sure that I say. If you're new here, we want you to feel welcome, and we ask absolutely nothing of you. Um, Except that you feel welcome and make yourself comfortable. Other than that, we don't have any, we don't ask anything of you. But the rest of this uh, message may be a little bit of a poke in the eye. Um, I hope it's more of a, just a poke in the ribs and not a poke in the eye. But I'm, I'm going to um, do what the Bible calls exhortation. I'm going to, an exhortation, hopefully it's like, 
come on, you can do it, when you're running a marathon or something like that. That's, that's what I hope that this morning comes off as. Um, it, it is life group launch. It's that time we do it once a year where we encourage people to jump into a life group. And the reason for a life group, I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. Um, God led me the direction of this message because of something that Bryce, Bryce, raise your hand, uh, something that Bryce said a couple of weeks ago when he was at an, a meeting. It, it wasn't regular church stuff. It was a group that meets here of, uh, of homeschool moms and kids, and they were hanging out here at the church. And Bryce said, asked Pam, he said, hey, can I show my friends around? She said, well, sure, whatever. And so he just helped make his friends at home. And he said something that it's the heart of this message. Thank you. (laughs) It's the heart of this message. He said to them, he said, and Pam said he sounded kind of proud when he said it. He said, this is my church. And you may look around here and, and see a metal building. Now, it's in a beautiful valley that you know, looks like a, like a golf course. But, I mean, we're just a little church that meets in a metal building. Um, sometimes we're not that full, you know. And so, uh, but Bryce was proud. He said, this is, this is my church. Yeah. Yeah. I would like... For all of us to be able to feel that way. This is my church. Um, So that's Bryce's exhortation to you this morning. Is that this is is my church. And uh, what does that mean? Um, Hope this is a poke in the ribs and not a poke in the eye. Anybody here a member of the Lions Club or, or Kiwanis? What, what's one, any of those others? Carol's a member. Are you a member of the Kiwanis Club? Okay. Lions Club? Okay. What's one? Is there another community organization? The what? Okay, okay. Those different uh, veterans organizations. Okay. If you're a member of one of those organizations, there are certain things that are expected of you. For you to be able to say, I'm a lion, yeah, I'm a lion, I do. you have to pay dues, you, you have to uh, attend. There's a requirement for attendance, or they'll like get on you, and you have to pay fines, I think. I mean, I've spoken at Lions Clubs and Kiwanis stuff, and they actually have to pay fines if they've missed. <laughs> um, we're not going to do any, we're not instituting that or anything. I'll just go ahead and put your... Put your minds at rest there. But the point is that um, there are, and you have to be involved in service. Lions Club, one of the big things that they do is they collect uh, glasses. And they redistribute those glasses. And uh, there are other service things that they have going on. And I think that's an awesome kind of organization to be a part of. where Where you join together with a group of like-minded people to, to support the community 
to, and bring encouragement in different things. They do scholarships and all those kind of things. Um, and that is a worthwhile thing. Um, I, and I've never seen anybody claim to be a lion that wasn't a lion. Um, there are organizations where that happens, though. Um, have you ever heard of the term stolen valor? Stolen valor is where you... Let, let me go ahead and read what the de- definition... Stolen valor includes falsely claiming military service. That's one. Falsely claiming military service or claiming a certain rank that you didn't achieve, or claiming some kind of directions that you were never actually awarded. Um, Historically, that goes all the way back to the Revolutionary War, when when, uh, George Washington was handing out medals, and he said... I'm worried that some people are going to claim these distinctions that didn't achieve uh, these awards. And then they're like, well, they've discovered, they did research and found out that the last surviving veterans of the Civil War that that lived on into the, like, 1960 or something like that, the last one died in 1960, they found out that he wasn't even in the Civil War. Um, and then they went back to those several ones before that that had died that were the next to the last and the next to the next to the last. None of those people had been in the Civil War. That's what stolen valor is. And when you claim to be a part of a group or, or to achieve this rank or something like that, that's stolen valor. Um, in 2005, it actually became a crime to do that. And you can, at the very least, be fined. You can even spend time in jail. If, you, if you've said that you, and this happens a lot, uh, people claim that they were an army ranger or, you know, a sniper or something like that, and, and they just totally lie about it. Um, they, some of them have a motivation for it, maybe not a very good reason in your book, but they uh, actually some law enforcement people have claimed that they've done things like this to get ahead, and, and it's been a lie. Uh, so uh, that's called stolen valor. And I just got to thinking about, uh, about us as Christians when we... Uh, if you're brought up on charges about this, there has to be evidence against you that, that you've put it in the newspaper or in, on your job application or something. There is evidence against you that you have committed the offense of stolen valor, that you've claimed certain things that aren't true. Um, and I've wondered if we, uh, if we were accused of of impersonating a Christian, just like they're accused of impersonating a, uh, uh, what's the Congressional Medal of Honor? That, that's a big deal, if you claim that. Uh, I, if we were accused of claiming to be a Christian when we're not, if there'd be enough evidence against us one way or the other so to support that, I mean, because you could say, well, no, here, I go to this church, I serve in the nursery. I, you know, uh, uh, I work with kids. I'm on the worship team. 
all that, those kind of things. That would be in your favor, right? Um, if, you were, if you were accused of not being Christian, would there all of the different kind of, of things that I can see in, a, in the future at least, would there be enough of evidence of you being a Christian to convict you or to exonerate you? Uh, this morning's text is from Revelation chapter 2. It's not going to be any scary stuff or anything, though. Um, it's not going to be about those dragons or those weird scorpions that fly in the sky. It's none of that stuff. This is uh, chapter 2, starting with verse 1. In chapter 2 uh, and chapter 3, there's seven letters that Jesus tells John to write to these different churches. There's a lot of speculation about what, what Revelation represents uh, and b- because it's a, it's a sim- very symbolic book. Most of it is uh, symbols. Now, not all of it's symbols, but the Bible is full of symbols. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he doesn't mean literally that you could buy a loaf of him at Walmart in different flavors, you know, sourdough or, or wheat or white or whatever. That's symbolic, right? And a lot of revelation has symbolism. There's guides for how to, it's not just, you know, you figure out what you want to figure out from it. There's guides for how that happens, especially in some of the similar language in the Old Testament, especially the book of Daniel. So we come to Revelation chapter 2 and 3, and it's letters written to actual churches that had existed in Asia at the time when Paul was on his missionary journeys all around the Mediterranean from, uh, from Israel going up around that east side of the Mediterranean all the way to Rome. Paul had been on these journeys and met these churches and started churches in those places. And um, some of them are a little sad <laughs> how churches had been really awesome at times and they, they've kind of deteriorated over just a, a decade or two or three decades. No more than that. And um, so John has this vision and Jesus tells him to write these letters to seven churches in Asia. Asia doesn't mean the same thing as it means to us today. Um, it's, that, it's an area in Greece and Turkey and all around there. In fact, mostly Turkey is where, ter- today's Turkey is where that Asia is. It's funny, there's a little circle of these churches and they're, writ- and they're written to each church or in the order in Revelation, they are in a clockwise circle around this area of the country. Um, the first one is to the le- is the letter to the church at Ephesus. Um, that's the same. If you look at the the letter to the Ephesians that Paul wrote, it's that same church. Okay. Um, so he says, Jesus says to John, he says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. An angel in this context here doesn't mean flying around from heaven. That kind of. It's to the messenger. Uh, 
the word is messenger. And so it may mean to the pastor at the church of Ephesus, write, write this. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Now that's a vision from the original tabernacle, which turns in in the Old Testament that turns into the temple one day. But he walks among the golden lampstands. That's Jesus. These things says he who holds the seven stars in the midst of seven golden lampstands. And there's seven churches, by the way. I know your works. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And this is a similar pattern to all the other seven letters. He usually talks about some good things. There's a couple of churches that there's nothing good about them. But he he usually says something about the good things you've done. So that's what he lists first. Your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot abide those who are evil. Sounds like a pretty good church, right? They're working, they're doing some things, and that they don't put up with evil people. that That could look a lot of different ways, but that's to their credit. They've got little gold stars by that. By that stuff. That's okay, Brant. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them to be liars. Because, and that was one of the things that Paul fought against in all of his letters over in this part of the New Testament right here. You've tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them to be liars, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. This is very similar to Paul's letter, but this is Jesus telling John what to write. Nevertheless, I have this against you. And that's also common in these seven letters. I have this against you, and here it is. This is the thing that he has against them, that you have left your first love. Against the church of Ephesus, you've left your first love. What does that look like? I want you to think about, just think about your first love. Everybody, don't raise your hand, don't do anything. Don't, God, men, don't look around like you're guilty or anything like that, or you'll get in trouble and you have to explain it when you get home. You have to, I didn't say explain it, I said explain it. You have to explain it when you get home, so just be careful. But, but there are things that we do with that first love. We give them little gifts, and um, when I... Uh, a long time ago, when, when I was in school, we had ID bracelets. So I had one that said Steve on it. And um, unfortunately, my girlfriend couldn't wear it because her wrist was bigger than my wrist. But um, you gave them your ring or, you know, they had penny, pins that you were in some organization. And so you'd pin them. And uh, if you're, uh, what do you call those sororities, fraternities, you'd give her your pin and things like that. That's that first love experience. 
And um, in our lives, we kind of graduate to other types of love. And so when, when, we, when we get married, usually to somebody else, I, I'm sorry, young people, whoever you're dating, when you're in junior high, you're probably not going to marry those guys, so just be careful, okay? Um, that, that's probably not going to happen. I'm hearing a lot of comments, but I'm just going to leave them alone. I'm going to leave them right there. So, but imagine how your wife feels right now if she has an indication that you've left your first love, even where she's concerned. And our... Our relationships evolve over time. But if we get to the point where the person that we're with realizes that we, we don't love them like we used to, it can be different. But the idea that you've left that love behind, how devastating that is to leave your first love how much more devastating it is when that's the accusation that Jesus has against us as a church. And I think that there are elements, people disagree on what this church stuff means. I personally believe that if you find yourself in one of these letters, if you find yourself represented by the the church at Ephesus or the church at Thyatira or the church at Pergamum, if you find, you go, oh, well, that's kind of me, or my, that's my church. I actually think that almost every church has a representation of some of these people in it. And we're going to look at all the representations. And we're going to look at seven weeks worth of churches. But this first one. One of the cool things about what Bryce did with his friends is he, he, he said, this is my church. And, what he, and he showed them around proudly. This is where this stuff goes on, and, and we sing in here, and people play these instruments. And I mean, he was saying, this, this church is my first love. And, and what does it mean when we get to the place? And I, a lot of us have been through that that in our own lives, in other churches? And what does it mean when we get to the place where we don't feel that way anymore? And a lot of times the newness will wear off of things. I mean, I'm not nearly as shiny as when Pam and I got married. I used to look like Andrew. I, I blame Pam for a lot of that. Some of it, uh, some of us that she, some of uh, is that you know she abused me a lot. She overfed me, but um, so I look a lot different than than when we got married. I look a lot different when our love was new. My dad used to have a saying when, when somebody looked kind of rough, he said they were left out a lot when they were new, like a bicycle. <laughs> um, you know, it'd get kind of rusty and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, and the newness does wear off of anything. When, when you get, a, man, when you get your phone and it's new and you put a case on it and you're all careful with it and it does new things, yeah, and before long, you're just whatever. Um, you, you don't take care of things like, like you used to take care of them. So the newness wears off of things and it does it for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes because you throw it down, but the newness wears off. The newness can even wear off of church. But there should be more than just the shiny outside of it. And the way that that happens is in things like life groups. It can, it can change because of how you're engaged. It can change because of the connections that you make. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you. This is where the, uh, everything's been good up to this point. And then he has a big but. Kunde in Korean, by the way. Um, that you have left your first love. And he says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, that actually, where they, that whatever their experience as being the church has come, he says, you've fallen. And he says, so repent and go back to the way things were before. Repent and do the first works. Do, do like you did in the beginning. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You know what that looks like? Getting voted off the island. What do they do when they vote them off the island? They put, the, they put their candle out. That's what Jesus says. He says, y'all better straighten up or I'm going to put your candle out. You're voted off the island. And then he says, oh, okay, but there's one more thing that's good. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. We could go on for hours about what that is. Don't worry, we're not going to. Um, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So Jesus says through John, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Tim who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God, the Garden of Eden. Um, he's what. That's that tr one of those trees that Adam and Eve, they were actually allowed to eat from that one. They weren't supposed to eat from the other one. But he says, you'll get, you'll get to eat of that tree. The tree of life. To him who has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Zach talked about that, that last week, what the Spirit says to the churches. Part of what the Spirit says to the churches is in this letter right here. Go back to your first love. Get hold of that idea that this is my church, and it means something to me, and it's where I serve. It's where I have the opportunity to do certain things. I mean, an opportunity like we have um, several times a year where as a church group all together. We do a 
we do a big project. And that's kind of, that's kind of an open-ended uh, thing, not a lot of commitment. But we should be doing that ongoing. That should be something that we do year-round is help people with different things. Sometimes we help each other. We've done that when, when people move and help them, help them get their stuff moved from one place to the other. We've helped people uh, with a house. We help people paint things. We, um, we've done, put a roof on somebody's house before. I want to encourage us to look for those kind of opportunities as, as groups uh, of women or groups of men or our, the life groups that we have together, that we have opportunities to serve the community and each other and all those things that we do that we come back to that place of our first love. Um, Because one of the things that we're supposed, and according to Scripture, the New Testament, one of the things that we're supposed to do as a church is to encourage each other. I wasn't here, but I hope when Greg shared last week, um, because I know that from the week before, how people said that message really hit me. Uh, Pam told me how the message impacted her because it was about Judas at the table. And um, she said, I I know what that feels like to to have a Judas at your table and the the impact that it has on you. Um, When Greg told me what he wanted to share, and I believe that God orchestrated that all to be to happen last week. For one thing, it gave Greg a whole week to think about it. But when he told me, he says, uh, he's, we talked about having a Judas at the table. He said, no, I want to talk about being Judas at the table. That takes a lot of guts to be able to do that. To, um, I, I don't know that he could share that just anywhere. It has to be with a group of like-minded believers. Who, the important thing is that he has a relationship with. You have to have enough relationship to be able to bear your soul to someone. And I, I hope that last week he was encouraged by people about that word. Because according to Scripture, that's one of the things that we're supposed to do with each other. We're supposed to exhort. And sometime, I have to share... My secretary in Brownwood at the church was Christy. And she was the sweetest lady. She had a very small voice. and She kind of talked like this. And she was so sweet. Um, she finally figured out that she wasn't supposed to talk to me before 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> because I just don't talk before 10 o'clock in the morning. I may be up and moving. Yeah, but I, yeah, I get some coffee in me and it's all good. But she would, at 10 o'clock, she would come in here and she'd go, okay, I need to talk to you about our day and what's happening the rest of the week and da-da-da-da-da and all these kind of things. And one day she, Christy, if you're listening, I love you. You know that. Um, One day she comes to me and she tells me about these problems that she's having. I'm a counselor, right? I'm a licensed professional counselor. I still operate in my private practice in Brownwood for a few hours a week still. So I'm like a counselor, right? 
Y'all understand what that's supposed to look like? Yeah, that's not me. I'm like Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood counselor. Um, so Christy comes and she tells me all these things. And she's at the front. And I go, um, Christy, you know, I love you. Can I just tell you something? She goes, yes, Pastor Steve. Anything that you can do to help me? I said, stop being such a ninny. <laughs> that's Clint Eastwood counseling. And she's kind of shocked like that. Now, why can I say that to her? Because I have a relationship with her. I've spent several years getting to know her and know her family and talking with her kids and things like that. I knew her very well to the point, because you can't just do not do, do not do Clint Eastwood counseling. It's not good. Um, only through relationship can you have that. Just like Greg was able, because of relationship, he's able to share this thing. I had a relationship with her. The funny thing was, about two years later, she's talk, she often counseled people on the phone. She was very good at it. I mean, just somebody who calls up to the church and says, I need to talk to so-and-so. I'm sorry they're not available. Could I help you? Could I pray with you for something? I'm talking like she talks right now. And she, one day I hear my door. She's right outside my door. And I hear, she says, can I just share with you something that someone shared with me one time that was really helpful for me? Can I just share that with you? And she said, well, what I, need, I just need you to stop being such a ninny. <laughs> I hope that she had an appropriate level of relationship with those people to understand that. That's one of the things that we're supposed to do as a church, that we're supposed to do with each other, is sometimes say, just stop being such a ninny. Or... Well, stop going down there and, and spending all your money at the casino. Just stop doing that. But can you do that with just anybody? No, you have to have a relationship with them. How do you develop a relationship? Just by coming to church every Sunday or every other Sunday or, you know, once a month or whatever? No, that is not how. You can't, you can't develop a relationship that way. You can develop a certain level of relationship if you come to church every Sunday and you spend some time talking with people out there. Um, if you do some of the work of being on a... Alana, I'm sorry. Y'all be nice to her. Harley, did you do something? Anana. That's what Wit calls her, Anana. Um, invest a little bit more in the relationship. Even if, if you do that every Sunday and stand out here and talk for an hour before church starts, you can develop a certain amount of relationship. But the best way, and we're a small group, you can, you can, you can get a lot done. But the best way to do that is because is we're... Even this morning, we're on the edge of, of just being a little too many to actually connect. Once you get more than 25 or 30 people, you can't connect anymore. And the way that that connection happens, the way that you develop enough relationship to be able to say to someone, stop being such a ninny, is in life groups. Um, it's opportunities for you to spend some time um, a few times a month, sitting down with someone, praying with them, just doing a little bit of life together. There's groups that meet weekly. There's the groups that meet every other week, uh, twice a month. 
there, and you just spend a little bit of time doing life with a person so that you can, when they're having a hard time, you can exhort them, you can encourage them. Sometimes it shouldn't be. I mean, don't everybody pull out the, the one tool that you have in your toolbox, like me, which is don't be such a ninny. Um, there's, sometimes the exhortation is when they're running towards the finish line and they've been running for hours or climbing up a mountain and they're, where there's zero oxygen, you say, come on, you can do it. That sounds a lot better than don't be such a ninny, doesn't it? <laughs> that happens because of those relationships, relational equity. That's when you've got a bank account of relationship that you can write a check on. I, because for me to say to Christy, don't be such a ninny, was me writing out a check. If I didn't have anything in the bank account, that check would bounce. And then what would, our, what would that look like? hurt feelings, she quits, leaves church, and doesn't ever come back anymore, and then says bad things about us. That kind of equity only is gained in a life group. The kind of work that needs to be done that can only happen where people know each other well happens in a life group. To be able to really adequately pray for someone, it's best to know them. To know their situations. Because there are things that have happened in, in my lifetime that I would not want to share with you. Unless I knew you pretty good. And then once I know, once I know a person fairly well, then I can share with them. I mean, I'm looking around at everybody here and, and the amount of time that I've got to spend with you determines how intimate we are in relationship as far as what we're able to share about our past and things that have happened to us. Things that happened to us 10 years ago or things that happened to us last week. That can only happen because of relationship. Um, to be accountable to each other, saying... I, um, I waste money during the week. And I want you to help me with that. And we're going to be accountable. And so I'm going to write down every, except for bills and rent and things like that. I'm going to write down all the things that I spent money on this week. Whether I bought gas, whether I bought Cokes or um, uh, spent money on fishing tackle or shoes. That's for you ladies. Um, shoes or things like that. I'm going to be accountable for that. That's one of the ways that we encourage each other. That's another kind of exhortation to do better, to be accountable for certain things. And there's a, that list is endless, by the way. Only some of it's a little bit offensive that I don't even want to share right here. Um, there are other people in this room that I'm not going to mention their name that are happy to share things like that all the time, but I'm not going to do that. That can only happen in relationship with people. Otherwise, nobody's going to say, I, I, I wasted money this week on this or that. Stuff that, that, that's never going to make a difference in the world. But that's one of the things that we're supposed to do. That... Scripture calls it edification. 
That sounds a lot like education, but it's not that. Edification means to build each other up. And that can happen a lot of different ways. Some of it, some of it has a lot, a lot to do with the hammer. Um, sometimes you tear things down with a hammer. Sometimes you build things up with a hammer. But all of it in, uh, uh, results in a building getting raised up. And that building is a person. That building is a church. And what comes out in the end of it is, is the kind of a group that you can say, this is my church. Because that's what I want all of us to come to. This, come to a place where you can say, this is my church. That you can say it to, to friends at school. That you can say it to somebody that you work with. Even to the point, like Christy this last week, the person says, what is it about you? I said, well, church, I go to church and this, all this kind of thing happens. And she shared what the, the word that Serena gave Emery. And she says, how does she know those things? How can she possibly know that? Well, the Holy Spirit. I wish I could believe that. And the funny thing was, she said, no, I, she said, well, come to my church. You can grow up in that church. Come to my church. You, you can grow up and you can learn these things. Now, nah, I'll just hold on to your coattail. And there's a picture. That's the flag that Serena was talking about. Connected to the presence of God, the flagpole. And you're just that flag waving. That happens because of us being involved with each other and being built up and grown into that body that, that the New Testament calls the church. I'm glad that I didn't open it up for, for Greg to talk two weeks ago because him sharing last week was the perfect timing. It was God's timing. And um, Juliet, you can go in. Team, y'all can go in and come on up. Um, we're going to have one more song at the end. I, is there anybody that has something that they need to share right now? related to what we've talked about or uh, what happened to that microphone Haley is it down there somewhere is it on the floor anyone well if we may not need it just hold on to it okay we're gonna share a song at the end I want to encourage you how does what does it look like for you to say this is this is my church. How does how do you get back to your first love? How do you It still works. How how do you be a better church? I, I believe that one of the ways is through um, I believe that one of the ways is through life groups. So I want to encourage you as you leave here 
check out the life groups. Check out how to, because you can view a bunch of stuff online. Is there a link in the flow code, the flow page? Download the flow page. Flow page, flow page. Everybody say flow page. Um, You can search for a life group there too. But I want to encourage you in the weeks to come, like within this next month, find a place that you can connect with people. Connect with people in such a way that we can do church better and better. All right, church, would you stand with us? We're going to sing our closing worship song. And um, hey, you younger ones, what do we often do with our last song? Does anyone want to come up and join? Claire, Mila, Olivia, Cami, you all want to come up and sing? Because we are family. This is the family of God. This is my family. I love, we're talking about life groups this morning. And um, this group started with Haley and Logan as their life group last Sunday, last Sunday night. So join a life group. Do life with people. Find the love of Jesus to share with each other. Do what Jesus did. Find people to do it with. You can't go wrong. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we're just going to sing about the presence of Jesus, about who he is in our lives. He is good and faithful. He is love.
never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop. Darkness, my God, that is who you are. 
Bryce, are we, are we friends? Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Are, are we friends? Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know you very well. Are we friends? Yes. We are? Okay. How about you? Of course. Of course. It's family. Uh, I wonder, Bryce, I wonder if you had said that before I started serving in kids think we would have been friends back then we would I don't know I you're really cool and nice and that's probably why you're answering it that way but I don't know that Bryce would have said we were friends before I started teaching in kids because we wouldn't have had relational equity that Steve talked about today and uh you know the air quote sacrifice that I made to start serving in kids is the wimpiest sacrifice you can imagine. It's just coming here instead of sitting out where you guys are at, just going in there. And I'm not saying this out of self-righteousness. Please don't interpret it that way. But what I'm saying is there, now what I really like is I like being Bryce's friend. And I really like being Mila and Olivia's friends. And I like getting to know you as well. And I like Claire. I love, I do like you. Um, But what I think we'll all be tempted by today if, if, you, if you don't find yourself in a regular life group you're going to pass the table is it out there? you're going to pass the table and you're going you're gonna to have this moment where you're like ah, I don't think I have time for that I'm too busy for that and it, it is what I don't think that we should walk away from here today is that Pastor Steve is somehow saying you can be in a life group and keep everything else that you're already doing I mean, I hate to break it to us, but that's actually not how it works. We don't want you to over-busy your already busy life. We want what this church needs is for us to re-examine what's in our life, determine if it's spiritually positive, spiritually neutral, or possibly even spiritually negative. So if it's pulling you away from the Father, it needs to be thrown out just like I threw out some of the stuff out of Steve's pack on the mountains. There was some stuff he did not need that was hurting him, and he didn't need it. There was other stuff that he really, really needed, and some stuff he would have been all right either way, and that's kind of the neutral stuff. So I would challenge you, before you walk out those double doors, I'm going to pray for us to examine, is there something I need to, to cut out so that I can bring this in? Because that's, that's the only way that it really will happen. That's just the logic of it. Um, and there's no condemnation if you're like, no, I can't do it right now. Okay. Um, no condemnation. But there are things that you won't experience in this house unless you are willing to get rid of something and sacrifice something. And the lie of the enemy is that what you have is better than what you will get, but that's not true. And you can ask Steve to show you some of the pictures he's got. He looks like a a mountain climber. He was a ma- he was a mountain climber. He is now a mountain climber. We can we have the pictures to prove it. But I've also got some pictures of him doubled over like this. <sighs> and it took a lot of sacrifice to get to the mountain top. But I guarantee you it was worth it. And you can ask him. It was worth it. So that's that's just my encouragement today is examine. Oh gosh, you're so heavy. Examine our lives. Let's examine our lives and let's see what doesn't need to be there. 
as you walk out and you see that table. Um, because I think this church would be, it's already a good church. It's already a great church. But the fruit that would come out of this church, if every single one of us were in a life group, I don't, I don't even know what that would look like. That would be crazy, crazy. Because there are those of us who we need others of us. We, everyone needs everyone, okay? So, Father, Holy Spirit, right now we lean on you as the only one who knows the interior of each one of us. You're the one who knows our thoughts, you know our feelings, you know our desires, you know our schedule. So right now I just ask that you would do what you do and shine a light on the things that maybe need to go. And then nudge us towards the things that need to be done to replace those things. I thank you for this house. I thank you for Pastor Steve and his wisdom today, his following the direction of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for each person here, what they mean to you and what they mean to this body. We pray that you would use each one to accomplish your will. Let your kingdom come in Chandler as it is in heaven. We love you. Amen. Amen. Y'all are dismissed. Happy birthday, Haley Pulaski. Happy birthday, Haley P. Woo!